Cooper asks, Come on, haven't you had enough? The nerd replied, A nerd's work is never done. Cooper said, Well, that's just a stupid line. The nerd said, I only said it for the trailer. Recognize this quotes movie? Stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom. KJ. And Brian. Today we're departing from our regularly scheduled programming to deliver you a rapid-fire format borrowed from our Talking TV Trivia subseries. We'll start with four essential trivia questions. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then we'll follow it up with a theme discussion, this week being YouTube to the Silver Screen. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Logging into YouTube in 2006, we would have had to choose between the face of YouTube, floundering founders, OK Stop, and the precursor to today's movie, the Angry Nintendo Nerds Castlevania 2 episode. Walking up to the Phoenixville Theater in Pennsylvania on August 2nd in 2014, you would have had seen today's movie, Angry Video Game Nerd the movie. KJ will be our questioner today. KJ, what is Angry Video Game Nerd the movie all about? In the Angry Video Game Nerd the movie, we follow James Rolfe character called the Nerd through an adventure to discover exactly what happened to the ET cartridges rumored to have been dumped into a landfill in Nevada. But the focus of today's episode will be the adventure of James Ralph himself, from YouTube to the silver screen. James Ralph has an excellent YouTube series called The Angry Video Game Nerd, which started with an upload in 2006. In a lot of ways, James Ralph is a pioneer of what became known as influencers without being an influencer himself. His success led him to kickstart his own movie before Kickstarter was popular, and the result is one of the most fun movies ever put to film. It's time for question one. In the flashback with the young nerd, what did the young nerd receive for Christmas? Locked, Locked in. in. Locked in. All right, Nick, what do you have? E.T. Tom? And E.T. the game. Brian? Triple E, triple T, E.T. <laughs> Points for everybody. That was a tough one. <laughs> Trademark free et it's time for question two this 2600 et game is actually a map of what locked, locked in. in locked in locked in oh these are some softballs some softballs all right everybody <laughs> at the same time area 51. area 51 and where is that groom lake nevada nevada yeah, yeah. that's what i thought nevada <laughs> Between Area 50 and Area 52? (laughs) (laughs) It's time for question three. Why does Mandy say they are going to make ET2 bad? Locked in. And this is a specific quote from the movie. A quote. Uh, So in the the pitch meeting, Mr. Cockburn asks, why would we do this? And she has a real quick quip almost. That is exactly why they're going to do this. 
I'm going to lock in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, I'm going to, sure, lock in. Tom, um, what do you have? Um, it, It's more of a paraphrase, but it's uh, because no one likes good games anymore. Brian? Uh, let's start with, uh, it's out-of-the-box uh, marketing. People think good games or bad games are good, and uh, they'll end up cutting their expenses by half and doubling their profits. Nick, what do you have? Bad is good. Points are going to Brian. She specifically oh. says it'll be half the cost and double the profits. <laughs> it's time for question four. What is the name of the god that lives under Mount Fuji? <laughs> I'd locked in. Sure, I'll lock in. Tom, what do you have? Uh, the great Muzumbi? Nick? I'm going with Levusha. Brian? Darth uh, Darth Moffis or something oh. close to that. <laughs> Points to Brian. That's Moffis. That's Moffis. That's Moffis. That's Moffis. Something intentional that you can't really say. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> you just got to watch to make sure he doesn't move that antenna, right? Mm -hmm. The yeah. dish. Yeah, yeah. One Psych. time around. <laughs> the satellite dish. <laughs> So Brian swept that? Sweet. So. Yep, 100%. Yeah, Watched it a couple times over the last uh, few <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually looked up the, the death mothsis, but because it, the, the spelling is impronounceable, <laughs> I couldn't remember it. <laughs> so there It you was go. just too much. It was just not yeah. something you could easily do, so I just moved on. Yeah, it's spelled... M W A U T H Z Y X. And all the characters say it slightly differently too, which I think is just part of the joke. Yeah, yeah. Is that um, actually some sort of character or is that just made up for this movie? Did he like uh I'm sure it's made up. Um, yeah, it's it's not like a yeah. cartoon or a comic or anime or whatever. I don't it this sounds like James Rolfe and Matt Matei like what's his name? Death Mothic? Like like joking around that they can't say it and making it. <laughs> right. Congrats to Brian, our winner. Now we'll be diving into our topic of the week, YouTube to silver screen, right after this break. Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print, because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, it's not going to print. And even <laughs> if I did print, I, where is it going to print to? 1982? <laughs> I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible... Oh, <laughs> we died. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 All right. The troll, the troll saw us and killed us. So I think we have to say the answer to the riddle then. The answer is dark. Say dark, I think. Talk to what? Golem. Gollum. Say Gollum. Dark. You talk to Gollum. Thorin says, hurry up. And we died. And we died. 
So we went northeast last time. So let's go southwest. You go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh, wow. I need it here. That's wait, wait, wait. perfect. Oh, That's wow. perfect. Limited lexicon coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. So guys, today I really wanted to discuss the idea of starting on YouTube and going to the silver screen, right? And in the past, maybe you could start on PBS. Is that the equivalent of what YouTube is today? And then get to to the silver screen, like or like Wayne's World on SNL to the silver screen? Not the same, right? So I'm just... I really think it's a cool thing that happened, and I don't know how often it still happens, if it's going to happen again. Um, so what were your guys' experience with the nerd on YouTube, with the movie? I'm just thinking about what you said about SNL. I still think that might be too big of a platform or a launching off point because so many people, but I'm just thinking back in the earlier days of SNL, maybe it was like that, like before um, our time, like the people we know in, you know. I'm sure um, more people have watched these angry video game nerd things than watch SNL currents. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, that's why I'm going back in time, you know, yeah, going back in time. For the last 20 years. Yeah. When we grew yeah. up, though, Who, in our, I, like, prime years, like, I guess high school and college, it still was very popular. Yeah, I have not, not to date myself here, but SNL, I, I willingly, in maybe a decade, the only time I've walked into rooms when it's been on, that's the closest I've been. Those actors still get deals, though. There are movies that come out, and those oh, are people yeah, yeah. from SNL. Yeah, it's just YouTube is so much, you know, bigger than oh yeah than I think network television. We don't realize it because it's also it's still clunky. Like, even well, the quantity even, too, it's yeah, quality buried, but yeah, it's just so easily to it's so easy to access, and there's so much that can suit your particular niche that. Yeah, it's it is so many videos that are, you know, hundreds of millions of views. And maybe this is a silly question and it's gonna prove your point, Tom, but do we know anybody else that started as either an influencer or on YouTube or on TikTok? I don't know, and then ended up on the silver screen? Yeah, they have another one coming out. It's the the face in a shell thing. It's a YouTube thing where it's like a eye in a shell or or so I don't remember the name of it, but it has a pretty what looks like to be a, a normally budgeted film um, that is based upon this this series. That's still a very small percentage of content creators, though. Even if we, <laughs> even if there was a dozen we missed, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. that that's still based on the amount mm -hmm. of people out there creating content. Oh yeah, it's, it's a very still small fraction. It's still a small thing, but in terms of entertainment, I, YouTube is. I, is there a network show that? comes even close to the, I don't know, top 30 YouTube channels. Well, so bringing it back to James Ralph, how do we think he did translating his show into a movie? He was pretty consistent with the character he developed. I mean, granted, there's only so much depth, right? In an angry video game nerd. It's also about the channel, right? So it's it's about, I said this in our, our remar my remarks last week, but it's about fandom. And he is gone from being a fan, uh, albeit a, a belligerent run of this this type of thing, to being someone who is who has fans, right? And he's become sort of a node for this this sort of cultural experience of reliving video games, of old video games, of being a nerd for old video games. I think the the movie 
does that. And as a consequence, it's also doing something different from the, the channel. The channel is about that experience. This is about reflections on that experience, right? There's sort of another, another layer to it. This was clearly a movie for the fans. And if anyone else watched it on top of it, that was even gravy. At least that's my opinion here. Like it was crowdsourced from fans. Fans participated in it, like I said last week. Clips were directly of fans or other related channels that had been in that universe at that time. So I, I don't think I've ever seen anything else that was a gift to their fans more than this. I know that's kind of a bold statement, but it really felt that way, especially with the budget. I mean, what, a few hundred thousand dollars, something like that? Like, it's crazy that they were even able to pull it off. The other thing that I was thinking about is you know, how many of these YouTube uh, creators these days have the background, and I guess the pedigree that, well, not pedigree, but uh, that James Rawl has. You know, he's gone to film school, he's major, and he's been doing this since he was a child. Uh, I remember him talking about that in some of his way early videos. So, you know, the, with the fact that there's probably not a whole lot of creators out there that have that drive and that experience for, you know, close to 30 odd years. Uh, maybe that's why we don't see as many jumping over uh, as you do. Yeah, I didn't think of that at all, right? Most influencers, they, they're not interested in the silver screen. Yeah, take take right a there. couple of uh, people and... You know, now you just turn the camera on. It's not the same. Back when he was doing it, it was tape. I mean, I'm not talking about angry video game nerd. I'm saying when he grew up and played around with that right. stuff. The other thing is we're, we're, we're talking like he got optioned. He didn't get optioned. He said, I'm going to make this film. Me and my buddy are going to write it. We're going to try to get some money together to put together. And he did it. So that's also another thing. It's not like a studio came in and said, your YouTube channel is great. Here's a ton <laughs> of money and a budget, you know? Run with it. He decided that this is something that's important to me and I want to do. In some ways, it's kind of cooler than if a studio showed up. and It's better. That's why I said this is like a love letter to his fans. Yeah, he had all the artistic awesome. freedom. I mean, nobody was telling him what to do. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's all up to him. I remember when he announced it. And it was kind of confusing. He's like, hey, I got these episodes and uh, here's a script that we wrote a while back and we're trying to crowdsource the money. And everyone was like, what, how, can you, how can you possibly turn this show into a movie? Um, and what he said was, think Wayne's World. Like we go, we pull the camera back and it is a show that's being made by characters and now we're going to follow the characters around. And I thought that worked really well. That was a great genre to jump into for the movie. That makes sense. Like I didn't know this background and you brought up Wayne's World before too, but I get it. That that does make sense to me if that was kind of the guide that they were having when developing the script and how the movie would play out. The other funny thing he said was he had the script and it was about E.T. and he reached out to Rick Warshaw, who was the guy who created the game. And, um, you know, he didn't really, he didn't have any clout or whatever at that point. Um, but he said, Rick, messaged him back and said this is the best version of what happened to the games that went into the landfill period like this is the greatest <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he was on board for the yeah. for the movie <laughs> well i want to ask brian about you know what did you think about the the film compared to the the channel right because I, I actually enjoy his youtube channel. i didn't know about it until uh, KJ suggested this movie. I, oh, wow. I actually, it grew. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I am not a gamer. I, I, oh, I, I binged that thing back yeah. in the day. Back in the day. I, I, I have a number of episodes it. I saved down uh, from, you know, to the, when I started looking at them in 2009, 10, 11. It was all the games that, uh, you know, that we played back in the day that frustrated that, that 
heck out of us. Uh, you know, the, the one that really jumps out, Nick, I don't know if it's the same for you, is Top Gun. You know, one. Oh, <laughs> we had a Top Gun episode and I, I <laughs> mentioned. Yeah. Oh, oh, my no, vivid no. memory was not even about the movie. It was about <laughs> trying to land or fly that darn plane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think maybe out of all the times I played that game, I, I never got past the second level. Did you crash? You crashed. I might have landed once. You know, so it really hit home. And, and some of those other games that he... Yeah, there were a handful that he reviewed that I never played, but just because you, know, you like the way that he presents, you kind of you dig his sense of humor and, and you know the, the darkness of what he's doing there. You just you know if you're the right person, if that's you can watch any one of those, even if it had nothing to do or a system that you never played, and really get um, you know a good time out of it. I look very forward to having my kids watch these things, even though they're probably not going to want to watch them, you know, <laughs> at some point, not yet, even though their vocabulary, well, my oldest's vocabulary is probably caught up to, to uh, the nerd, <laughs> fortunately. but, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a really uh, good series. I'm glad he's still continuing it. It's just, it's a little bit different now, um, you know, with the way that he's reviewing some of his newer, uh, or he's making some of his newer um you know, shorts, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something, it's something that can't be replicated by a lot of people then going forward. What's great about the world we live in now, when it comes to niche markets, you don't have to appease everyone in the world. You just need to gather a specific audience that has that interest, which is absolutely amazing. And that's why YouTube can capture so many different audiences that network TV can't because they need to make it for lack of a term generic enough to get a large base, but really not necessarily appeal to people who have deep interest in specific segments or topics. Yeah, we talked a little about this on the Videodrome episode, it's sort of the global village. And I, you know, we mentioned this a few times that I think KJ had that kind of update to the Marshall McLuhan concept of the, the global village where, you know, there's kind of one culture, a uniculture because of how, how media can be spread. What YouTube has taught us is that you know, there is no real global village there. You know, there might be a global medium like YouTube, but, you know, people are going to really be quite diverse in what they find on there. Like, you know, Brian, it shocks me that you've been watching this since 2009. I've not heard of this until, until what, whenever KJ suggested this a few weeks ago. Um, so it, it, I think speaking to what you're saying, Nick, about the, the sort of what YouTube does is it, um, it rids us of the generic, right? Everything is specific. Everything is particular. And it's interesting when people first started talking about YouTube, it was the, the question was, well, who's going to make all this stuff, right? It's, gonna, it's just going to require so, them hiring so many people to make. And it turns out, yeah, no, we will, <laughs> right? The entertainment will emerge from us and we'll just kind of do it. Um, and that's kind of happening with movies too, with these kind of very low budget films that just get streamed on Amazon for 15 cents or, you know, whatever. Um, and I think Rolf is also seeming to work in that. I don't want to call it a tradition. It seems to be a, if it is a tradition, it's a rather new one. Yeah, a with future this, tradition. A future tradition. Thank you. <laughs> it's like new classic, right? It's yeah. But a uh, future tradition. Yeah. Where this movie is, again, for particular people, not only particular gamers, but people who like his channel, like you were saying, Nick. I have to say, I, I've said this before, I, I don't really 
have ever played video games. I think I used to play the Sierra games and that once GoldenEye came out, I was done. I couldn't stand GoldenEye. And I thought, <laughs> this, this is just an indicator that this, this kind of celebration or this kind of fun is not for me. That's um, just because you played with KJ and he'd master every game. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't even see what screen I was on. <laughs> you know, never mind. Or I'd drop a grenade on my feet. That, that You know, I would get lost and drop a grenade on my feet and that would be the whole experience. But um, I found him really charming, actually. J Rolf, I found him really charming. I enjoy the YouTube channel despite um not having any familiarity not even not even having heard of some of these systems it's it's just very funny to see how how bad these games are and he are he does like you're saying brian he articulates well what's so damn stupid about each one of these games right and we all thought see, it we all thought it but he just put it into words 25 yeah <laughs> yeah and it's edited well together too to see the like how how freaking idiotic so much of this is um i i i will say i found the movie less funny i i, I think the stuff with the, the military like the guy who gets his arms chopped off and sergeant butters but you know uh, all that that guy you know was kind of eager to get past um I didn't want to bring it up too much. I wanted to focus more on the positive, but I will say Tom was talking about certain dialogue. There were some fringy jokes mm. that didn't land. Mm. I will say that. Yeah. Like, there was a fair amount of them, yeah. but I mm. they got a pass somehow. Like it just I'm like, oh, I'm along for the ride. Yeah, it either didn't age world didn't age well, which doesn't make that much sense because it's pretty new, or everybody's like, all right, when they were in middle school, they kind of wrote this script and then didn't update. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. It felt like a very youthful script. <laughs> I don't know. That's the it was a yeah, boys yeah. script. That's it was yeah, a yeah, young yeah, boys. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was it? Uh, Nerves before birds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, which, which I kind of liked. I, I I think the one that that uh, was like kind of an eye roll was like making jokes about melons, like the melon as metaphor for breast thing. Which like my god, that that's was, what that meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like like I think that wasn't funny by the time I was nine. And never mind here but you know whatever man like there was, there, there was a decent amount of it that didn't work. although there was some stupid things that i did enjoy where they would just like drive through like random boxes <laughs> i got these boxes get here like it was stupid it was shtick but you know yeah it's like all the chase scenes i get what they were doing with the glass pane and all it was just the same thing like they just thought that was a good idea when they were younger and kept it in you know yeah i was thinking maybe if that glass pane scene had anything to do if you guys have played um back to the future because mm. you know as you're skating they have the guy with the glass pane that goes beyond then that that's like an old trope Is i don't even know where yes no, no, or no. Like the, gla the glass piano. Oh, yeah. Like... The glass pane thing goes back to the silent era. But like, yeah, was there a like glass old, pane old thing, thing in one of the video games he reviews? Oh, I think he, yeah. I, I'm almost positive he reviewed back some point the Back to the Future. Because that was another one of those games that was kind of, you know, it was fun. I have it in the box <laughs> in the back closet, in the closet <laughs> by my left shoulder. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there was uh, a really annoying character in that first uh, level that was carrying the glass back and forth. So I thought maybe that was something that he threw in there to, uh, you know, give a shout it's out quite to that possible. character. Yeah. 
I actually felt like Rolf a little bit commenting on the movie as the movie was going on. Uh, <laughs> but I, I can appreciate the uh, the ardor like you guys have for it, um, for this kind of double reflection, right? It's a reflection on the nostalgic games and then a reflection on this YouTube experience of people sharing in reflections on nostalgic games. And that that kind of warms my heart. What did you think, Brian? How did you think it compared to um, uh, uh, the the channel itself? The channel itself, I think it's a uh, yeah, it's a pretty. Or the movie. How do you think the movie compared to the channel? The movie was definitely you know it was a departure from what his normal shtick is on the uh, the shows. It was you know because each one of those episodes is very you know there's some recurring characters throughout the years there, but um, each one of them is a finite thought. You know it's you know, it's a Ghostbusters. It's, Dr. Jack and Mr. Hyde, it's, you know, and you know exactly what you're getting, what that 12 to 15 minutes or whatever it would be is going to be uh, you know, focused on. So very different um, from what we were used to for the few, a couple of us that had watched these over the years. But, um, you know, I would love to, uh, I look forward to continue watching. This actually kind of brought it back to uh, the present. I, I, if you looked at my subscription list on YouTube, it's, you know, I don't have a village, Tom. I, I, I am somewhere out you know, on the fringes of society mm -hmm. uh, with all the kind of different, um, you know, content that I will flip through, uh, you know, when I have the kids sleeping at night and I'm just <laughs> looking to, to see what's going on there. You know, you know history and, um, you know, music critiques. Uh, I watched <laughs> a couple of guys that... Uh, eclectic know, mix. Yes, it's yes, a yes, very yes, eclectic yeah. mix. It's very you know, from eclectic metal mix. reviews to... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, history and, uh, you know, battles from, you know, BC era kind of deal, but. Well, no, it's interesting. It's, um, you were kind of an early adopter of Rolf's uh, yeah. channel, which became like one of the biggest, if not the biggest channel. And now you're like outside of, you know, outside of like the global community, you're, you're you know, you've moved to like the specific or the particular, hmm. which is cool. That, that seems to be like how YouTube worked. That's how my YouTube viewing is also it's my particular habits or interests are always reflected in my youtube channel which is a really cool mix uh youtube allows us to do this a really cool mix of the kind of the bigger channels which usually have these like great experts on them and then these like little um these little nerd channels right and it's always a little nerd channel where it's the person who yeah there you go it's the person <laughs> who isn't like got the or the md but it's the the guy or gal who's just really invested in this little thing that most people might think is stupid but there's just like there's love through anger at you know whatever it is that's it's just that kind of passion um and, and YouTube's great for that. YouTube's great for that kind of mix of expertise and amateur, amateur amorous. Yeah, when it comes down to it, I, you know, I don't consume all that much television. Um, I, you know, we cut the cord a couple of years ago uh, and pretty much you know, the only entertainment I watch is on YouTube. Uh, at night and or during the day, if I or during lunch, if I want to, you know, just kind of go down to my subscriptions page and see what was just posted or uh, published, uh, that's where I get my entertainment from. So, you know, YouTube almost 100% of what I watch these days. Yeah, me too, actually. Good person to have on the show for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually watch a fair amount. I think, KJ, you may be the 
one who watches YouTube the least on a regular basis. Yeah, no, I'm not a YouTube guy. Yeah, I I kind of have, I think, what you're speaking about, Brian, I think I have your experience. You're talking about seeing uh, battles from, the, you know, the BC era and whatnot and learning about them. Like YouTube really is is kind of education fun type thing, which sounds 100%. lame. It doesn't yeah. tell you, it, it takes you. I don't. I have some of those mixed in with just straight up hobbies too. So like there's the educational stuff that I listen to that's science-based. And then there's other things that just I'm interested in because I like certain niches, you know, like it's a mix. Yeah. And my, my viewing is usually like two hour movies on YouTube or two hour, they're not movies, but you know, I, I you know, the other day watched over the course of maybe several days, like a two hour conversation on mitochondrial health, like something like that. Right. And that was just one of Tom's B-sides, the two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so YouTube for sure. But, you know, for a lot of his career, he was on a website called Screw Attack, which was owned by MTV. So I believe he had a deal with MTV to produce these episodes, which then eventually ended up on YouTube. So he was kind of doing stuff before YouTube, I don't want to say it was bought by Google, but was established right before Gangnam Style. Right, that's when YouTube became YouTube. <laughs> um, so th there is a you know a, a path there that he took to get to be the YouTube star that he is today. And to congratulate another star that may be a YouTube star after this episode, Brian, nicely done <laughs> on right. your sweep. That was great. Clean sweep too. Thank yeah, you, clean Thank sweep. You, yeah, this is a lot of fun. We only got the softballs, right, Tom? I don't think we yeah, got any. Yeah, Darth. Darth Moth. At first, I thought he was actually giving a joke answer, like like Darth Plagueis or something, like a Star Wars thing. I'm like, oh, wait, no, that might actually be the answer. By the way, that creature or being or God really was just in the storyline toying with us because he could have just moved the satellite to shit yeah. any time. Oh, it was the one thing where it was like, psych. Yeah. 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 The, the, the plot doesn't make a lick of sense. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was saying, it, it really devolved pretty quickly. Yeah. Three minutes out. <laughs> you can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios, and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We're extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. Did you enjoy your playthrough of ET? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. You can find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15. You can find me on Twitter at KJ1000. Yeah, this, this, this was a lot of fun. It was, and thanks for bringing that, uh, this movie back to my, uh, you know, my forefront here. It was, it was a lot of uh, good memories and looking forward to watching it a couple more times over the years, no doubt. Great. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time when we discuss Kingpin from 1996. Stay tuned for our first impressions of this film. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing Kingpin from 1996. Tom, how was your watch? This was my first watch. I watched it yesterday in order to do our uh, first impressions. I really do like Blues Travelers at the end of the picture. I'm glad <laughs> they were there and they came in.
I have enjoyed other Farley Brothers movies, and I do like Woody Harrelson in certain things. Um, Bill Murray is uh, is I think pretty much a. a I think the word comic or the phrase comic genius is overused, but I think Bill Murray, I'll call him an ironic genius. He, he is a master of irony and his messy haired um, a-hole is the reason to watch this film. I will, I will say that um, it was a, it, it was a, it was a long watch for me, friend. Bigger <laughs> for the win. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was a long watch, but uh, you know, Bill Bill Murray's wig thing coming apart, his like comb over coming apart in the final contest, was was an absolute delight. How about you, Chris? How was your first watch? Uh, this was probably like my 20th watch to rewatch this movie for uh, this event. And I, I have to admit it hasn't aged well. It's definitely one of those comedies from the 90s that's a little on the, the edgy side these days. Uh, but from a nostalgia point of view, from uh, I like it point of view, I still really enjoy this movie there. I laughed out loud at a couple of scenes once again, even though I've seen this so many times. And yes, Bill Murray is the reason to watch this and him and his flower ball are fantastic. And I think the reason why this movie drew me in the in the 90s and the 2000s was because I, I did bowl a lot. This and The Big Lebowski were like the quintessential bowling movies of of that time period. And you can't, it doesn't get much better than this. It doesn't get much better than, uh, you know, Big Urn throwing the wig into the, into the air. I mean, it's fantastic. What about you, Nick? What do you think? When you were talking about your impression, I can't even say first impression, about the, this being one of the two big bowling movies, I, I think it still is one of the two big bowling movies. Yeah, I don't, th I don't think they've topped it since. <laughs> so I'm still waiting. Uh, yes, I was a fan of uh, bowling as well. But I have to say, I, I unabashedly, I still thoroughly enjoy this film. I've seen this film many times, but not recently. So that is why it was a joy to press play and, and watch it again. I did laugh out loud. I was watching this on a train back uh, from the Virginia DC area and I had my AirPods in and I realized I was like laughing out loud. People had no idea what was going on with this cackling fool in, in the train there. And I know so many lines. I don't know how I know so many lines, but I almost could recite this film it, it it shocked me so is it a masterpiece no but do i enjoy every second of it yes even the really really corny stuff it's just fun yeah I, I didn't realize how much of my like everyday kind of like vernacular like stupid little sayings that i have came from pieces <laughs> of this movie it's really really it really says something about me i guess how like how poor my sense of humor is but it's a great great film great film yeah i think it's because maybe bill murray i've was told improvised most of his lines that they're the ones that made me laugh but i will we'll see listen sometimes we all have one foot in the frying pan and one foot in the pressure cooker okay i'll leave it at that kingpin is available on amazon prime video at the time of this recording